Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Howdy do, buckaroo. Welcome, my friends. Howdy do. Howdy, partner. What are y'all drinking? Oh, that's a Montucky cold snack right there. Did you hear that pop? Hell yeah, I heard I was that. Like, Ooh, solid crack. Delightful. Is that your only beverage? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'm consuming because it is windy as F here in Wyoming. And here in the Reading House household, we are experiencing what's called a cold. And it's just between Thea and I. And it's glorious. So I have two beverages. I have a hot, stiping cup of tea and a bottle of water. Hydrate or dihydrate. Okay, That's so the, the return of... St- the return of stiping is delightful, but I also love here in the Reading House. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. I thought for sure you were just going to say here in the Reading here, House. That was here good. in the Reading Household, that's really strong. That's really powerful. Thank you. In this Reading House, we insert meme. Uh, as for me, as for me and my Reading Household, we shall serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's, oh my God. Oh, that's so perfect you, that you said that Thea for this did episode. Tell, Thea Emily, did you tell have me, to cross stitch that I will. into something. Well, I'll just use it as a graduation gift for Thea because she told me on Sunday she wants to be a pastor. So as oh wow, is Thea even two? Oh yeah, she'll be three in July. Oh my God! Isn't that yeah, cray cray? Totally wow. nuts. Totally for nuts. anyone who's new, that is the the first baby of the podcast. Yes, and so that's just so wild. Um, I am drinking a cup of stiping hot decaf from Stiping. Olympia Coffee. It's their asterisk Colombian decaf. Ooh. And it's delicious. A decaf. Good choice. Yeah, thank you. And then I'm also drinking uh, a half Topo Chico, a half Winter Wassail Punch from Trader <gasps> Joe's. Wassail, mm. And it's delicious. I'm getting that like hot cold pairing phenomena and yeah. it's oh. delicious. Um, I didn't know there was a song that went with Wassail. Yeah. That's fine. Here we come a wassailing among the leaves. Oh, green. duh. Of course. Oh, okay. I never thought that that was in reference to the drink. I like that. It is in reference to the drink. Um, I made that for my church the other day and they loved it. Oh, it's so complex. There's some delightful spices in there and then just like simmered cranberries for so long. Oh, and we did have the good old alcohol and that was. Yeah, what do you add to it? What did what did you add? We did um, a red wine. Some lady Ooh. in my church wanted to try, it, and it was very good. I almost did that last night when I had some friends over, but instead I made like a cold cocktail with a spiced cider seltzer that we found. Mm. So Ooh. it was like half that, half with sale, and then an ounce of gin, ounce of rum, bitters, and a candied orange slice. And man, good gravy! That might be the best holiday drink I've ever made. It was nice. very That's tasty. Smooth. I love adding spiced rum to my wassail. It was great. That's mm. some good stuff. 
Steven, I love that you brought up, um, <laughs> I love that you riffed on the Reading House. <laughs> because Thank you. Because the topic that I'm going, I was, I nailed, uh, <laughs> what? Uh, I what? nailed it down to two. And we are going to talk about cringe. Cringe? Cringe. Yes. And I love, I love that Reading House example, as for me and my Reading House. As for me and my Reading House. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, my question to you <laughs> is what's worse? Or who's worse? Cringe Christians or cringe atheists? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow, that, that surprised me. And here's, what a- here's, why, here's why it came to that question. I mean, we've like we've referenced it a couple times, like the more like angry atheist tropes and like we i feel like we have our fair share of like making fun of christian culture on the show but what really brought this question to mind is a couple weeks ago and this might this bonus episode might be out by the time this is out uh we are doing a bonus episode with a sister in spirit podcast of ours called actually i'm not even going to spoil it for you but i will tell you <laughs> what we did we reviewed some christian media from the 90s i'm gonna be very unspecific here because i do want it to be a surprise because it's so fun and we're watching this like piece of christian media and he had never seen it before my new friend josh josh had never seen this piece of christian media before and i think he was going into it expecting that it was going to be so cringe like cody co and what's his butt watching girl defined i think he expected like that level of cringe looking back on this piece of christian media from 20 plus years ago and I hadn't watched this in like 20-ish years, right? And I think we were both delightfully surprised with like how not cringe it was. But it made me think of this question of like, why is cringe so bad in relation to faith? Like mm. when, it's, when it's bad, it's so bad. Like on either end of the spectrum, I think. And like Emily, a couple episodes ago, I don't remember what happened, but you were like, cringe. Like you like cringed <laughs> so hard at something Steven said. Because it was funny. I did. Because I don't remember what he was referencing. But like, so I've just had this one like rattling around in my head for like a month. And I I just really want to know what we think is worse. Okay. So what's at the root of cringe? In that was going to be my question. Oh, man. Um. Yeah. What is it plucking on your little, on your fretboard? Like, I think true cringe is very vapid. And... Like, not just that it doesn't age well, because, of course, times change and culture changes and, like, our own beliefs change, of course. But, like, I think at the true root, it's, like, people spitting what they think they should say into the wind. Okay. That's what first comes to mind for me. Vapid, doesn't age well. And what is it bringing up in you? Is it embarrassment? Are you embarrassed on your own behalf, on their behalf? Yeah, I'm embarrassed for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for, I'm embarrassed for everyone involved. Like there's uh, stuff that I look back on and I cringe about like a true nine. <laughs> and there's like, there's stuff I see out there both on the Christian side and the not. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't, yeah. you should not say that. Okay. Would you go so far as to say you're feeling like ashamed? Um, no, I don't think it's shame. Well, good, because I think are, shame is very different from cringe. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Is We I, are not cringed of the gospel of Christ. I have yeah. an answer. Emily, what's your answer? I'm going to go with my good love of my big fat Greek wedding here. Natch. And I'm going to say 
they're both fruit. Like you can't compare apples to oranges. They're both cringe. And like mm, mm. there may be intervals or levels in which they fluctuate between kind of cringy, really cringy, mega cringy, cringy AF, but like <laughs> they're both cringe. And <laughs> it's comparing apples to oranges, they're both fruit. Yeah, they're both fruit. But I can't say but, if one's worse than the other. Yeah, sure. Sure. Josh, are you trying to get at like, are we trying to create a, a Venn diagram of our apples and oranges, Christian and atheist? Like, uh, cringe? honestly, maybe. Of course. Like, I think we should name some things that we think are cringy on both oh, sides. Oh, we can do that. That might help us do better. Well, so like, I've teased this just as a joke uh, in the past of like, I'm running into this problem as a person who's vocally atheist online now where I'm like, yeah, I'm atheist, but it, I just like when I was a Christian, I have to follow it up with like, yeah, but not that kind. I'm not like that. Totally. Don't worry about me, you know? And I think that really comes, I think I notice it most when it's always like a low, a low fi meme image usually with bad text and basically the arguments being made from one side or the other just makes it so clear to me that they they don't care to include any nuance. Mm. They just want to like take the things like what in in as few words as possible, what can I string together that just makes the other position look dumb? Mm. Ridicule. And I see those from both sides. I'm like, yeah, but again, you know, it's like we're creating straw men just to burn down because it, uh, we feel better when we're burning people at the stake rather than lifting them up and having a conversation with them, you know? Ooh, 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 I have one on the, I have one. Um, <laughs> oh, an example. I was just talking to Alex about this today. We were at the store and this minivan cut us we were walking from our car into the store and this minivan like darted in front of us so they crossed the walkway for pedestrians and they clearly saw us like they made eye contact with us and just decided to keep going and it was awful and alex goes hey i really like that fish emblem they have on the back of their car and i said no i'm not gonna be like those christians <laughs> honestly yeah you promote this idea of Jesus and you have these fish and you have like all these great bumper stickers and then you go and nearly run over people. Like clearly you are not acting in a way that's Christ-like. That's cringe for me personally. When you're claiming to represent something. And your actions totally negate that. Yeah. Mm. It would be one thing if the person stopped and like waved and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see there. But when they clearly are watching you walking and they decide to keep going having no regard that the fact they made eye contact with you had no remorse, see you holding a child <laughs> and they keep going. And they did. Mm. They had like three different Jesus fish type stickers or emblems on their car. And it was like, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So cool. when, <laughs> when we're standing on the side, when we're experiencing cringe, we're observing someone behave that, that we think they shouldn't. And we're ostensibly on their side, you know, like you, Emily, I don't think you have fish stickers all over your, that's kind of an outdated way of saying you're a Christian now anyways. I, but, the only sticker I have on my vehicle is a mountain and it Amen. is 
huge. It's a huge mountain sticker. Okay, I really like those two examples of like, I feel like there's one type of cringe that's like in response and there's another type of cringe that's like self... Yes! Well, Self-aggrandizing, uh, maybe? Or self... Well, what I was going for, like self-group policing of like, you oh, see sure. minivan oh. with <laughs> Christian paraphernalia and you're like, hey man, can you not embarrass the rest of us by being a jackass in the yeah. parking lot? Yeah, okay, can yeah. You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. like a, there's a self-policing of your group, quote unquote. Sure, yeah. Energy. But then when you're on the other side and you're like, for you guys looking at an atheist say cringe things, I think that, I think the root of that is like, yeah, but also you're not trying to understand the nuance or where someone is coming from. I like, that's my main problem that I had when I was a Christian. And now that I'm not is like, I'll look at Christians make terrible arguments against atheism and be like, Mm -hmm. so you actually don't understand where we're coming from. Mm. And the same goes for really bad atheist accounts where it's like, wow, you, I think you think <laughs> that the majority of Americans who profess Christianity are literally dumber than rocks. Yeah. You mm-hmm. use that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Exa- yes, exactly. And it's mm-hmm. like, but I'm not, <laughs> you just, I think there's like a, uh, there's like a gut response in me that just wants to be like, yeah, but not me though. I promise I'm not like that. You, we can have a conversation and you're safe with me, but don't try to engage that. You know what I mean? It's almost like there are two groups of people and they're all wearing either I'm with stupid shirts and like they're whatever shirt you're wearing, it's going to point to one direction or the other. And at some point, like all the arrows are going to be pointing at each other and we just don't realize it because you know you know that that person that nearly impaled my family with their vehicle was probably thinking something cringy about someone else or there was something that let them feel as if they were uh what entitled to their action or they were licensed somehow right for it of like oh that family's far enough away yeah i can gun it i can make it i can make it you know i need a few extra points can hit those pedestrians it's fine they're young. They'll bounce back. Do you think cringe is just a modern internet form of disgust? Yeah, probably. Because like in some ways, one of the things you made me think of, Stephen, is that I think that cringe perpetuates more cringe. Like if an atheist is making a really cringy argument, then like the Christians on the other side that are already cringe will like make a worse cringe argument in response to cringe. Yeah, and now we're just all doubling down on the stupid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then I, I like think of my, like, the best personal example I have of this in this subject is how in high school I was always wearing, and I was so proud of it at the time, I was always wearing those, like, Christian knockoff logo shirts. They were, like, knockoffs of real logos, <laughs> but they were, like, saying something It looks like Christian-y. the Starbucks logo. Yes. Oh, that was my favorite I one. Had that- shirt (laughs) yeah and now i look back and i'm like that might be one of the most long-term cringe things i've ever done (laughs) but josh you have the amazing gift of maturity and inner wisdom and (laughs) and reflection and discernment to recognize that that was cringe sure think about the people who don't have that Mm. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm truly saying like, 
Think of people who do not have that deep awareness to say, this is maybe really extremely awkward and embarrassing to a point where like inwardly other people are feeling this embarrassment and this awkwardness that I am projecting. Back off, man. The Confederate flag is just part of my heritage. <laughs> I feel like some of it is the like not aging well, like with yes, like, yes. times changing, cultures changing. Mm. And I feel like I'm just so fascinated with like how that intersects with faith and doubt. Like, do you feel like you've ever seen people like swing cringe, like a completely different direction? Hmm. <sighs> or do you think that's extremely unlikely? It seems to me that if that's not like an attitude shift that you experience along with ideological shift, that you're just going to bring the same tools to build a different thing out of it. Hmm. Yeah. Where do you think, sorry, I'm just thinking about the phrase like that didn't age well. Where does that, I mean like where does that ideal come from? Does anything age well? I mean, you can look at like wine and maybe whiskey, but even then sometimes those go like, like if something it has a reputation for like, this ages well. There's always a tipping point that it goes from like either the rarest, most fancy thing to just like absolute garbage, mm. like very quickly. So like even the stuff that famously ages well, you know, you could cork that hundred year old bottle of wine and immediately it's ruined. Well, I think the phrase is interesting because like, I think like in context, it implies that that thing is not the same as it used to be. And I yeah. think that when people use the phrase though, in everyday life, I think people usually mean it to mean, oh, that thing that happened 5, 10, 20 years ago, that thing back there, that didn't age well today. But that's kind of a misuse of the phrase, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Because like that makes it seem like that thing stayed yeah. static. Like, for example, me wearing Christian t-shirts, I could say that didn't age well, but like, end result is like, I ended up discovering what parody is and I changed my fashion and I mm -hmm. like <laughs> I feel like I have a deeper appreciation for design <laughs> like <laughs> like that changed like that didn't stay the same thing I feel like the idea of something not aging well guys can you feel like every step we take toward a podcast episode about cancel culture <laughs> it's happening we're doing it is it happening? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've been canceled by people. Hey, <laughs> we were never big enough to be canceled yet. But actually, that's how you get big. Josh, kind of to your point, kind of to your point about how cringe is like modern expression of disgust. A lot of people have talked about like the phenomenon of like being canceled in the digital world is a way that our shame based culture continues to police itself right now we're not like the famous novel we're not like sewing scarlet a's into a woman's dress but we kind of engage in the same behavior mm -hmm. i think the concept of it doesn't age well just it feels the concept of it doesn't doesn't age well i don't think has aged well <laughs> i see what you're saying <laughs> because it just implies that like yeah we made, you know, we made a podcast starting in 2020 and we said some things and three years from now, people are going to be like, you, but you said in 2020 and that's not okay to say. And it's like, well, now 
Yeah. Like sue me for changing. And, you know, like I can look back on things I've said over Ravel and be like, yeah, I don't agree with Steven there either. You and me both, brother. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but like, I think to Emily's point, like that is not cringe. Like, I think, I think what I find the most cringy is when people either hang on to something mm-hmm. either by like making it too reductive or like they just can't change anything. I feel like that's more cringy. Mm-hmm. So a trigger of cringe is in response to like a display of a lack of humility. Yeah. I Or even like self-awareness. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Like, I feel like that's kind of what Emily was getting at with the car example is like that person like wasn't self-aware to the point that it like contradicted what they said they believed on their car. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. So is cringe related to being offended? Ooh. Is it on the road to offended? Sure. Yeah, I was going to say, to a degree, yeah. Maybe it's like a step towards. Like if you but think I also about, think it's, uh, I don't know. Well, no, I, yeah, that would make sense. Because if you think about, like, let's say, for example, you're on a date, you're like out to dinner, and the person that you're having dinner with you know, you can tell that they're either really nervous or they're anxious or something. And they say something that's maybe embarrassing. You're like, oh, okay. Like that was a little awkward, whatever. But then as the night progresses and they start to feel more relaxed, they start acting not just more embarrassing like, but they're actually being offensive. Like you can just see the progression of it went from being embarrassing to being maybe harassing to being rude to now it's just straight up offensive. But I think it does start with this idea of that was cringe. Like, Ooh, that was, that was awkward. That was, that was not good. <laughs> like, Ooh, that was yucky. And I think it could easily progress towards that was truly offensive. It may not always, but it could definitely go in that direction. I feel like that's what I find so cringe about atheists that are like, oh, do you still worship the sky, daddy? Like, okay, I feel like you're trying to be funny, but like... Sky daddy? It just seems so... It's like one of those things that's like, it was funny the first time you heard it. And that... But like... And I think that would be <laughs> offensive and that would be progressing from cringe to being totally. offensive. 
Totally. Like the one time, sure, embarrassing, cringe, whatever. But the more mm, it's happening, mm-hmm. then it becomes offensive. Because there's like personal insult in bed. You know, it's like they put a rock in that snowball well, for the snowball fight. It, well, yeah, it's like an intentional continuation of that embarrassment. Mm. It's, and they, it's a yeah. personal, again, it's like going after someone's intelligence or their background or something like that. That's what yeah. you're Okay, I have two thoughts that just came to me. So this might not be intelligent. I might, I might look back on this and cringe. I feel okay. like there's an element of I think I think more along the lines of ignorance than being offensive. Like I think many people who are cringe or like look back and cringe on anything. I think usually most people are not trying to offend. Maybe some people are. Like some people are hurling like ad hominems and insults and just trying to like tear an idea down, but they're doing a really bad job of it. And it's kind of funny, but also embarrassing. I think that it's more like, I think it's more cringy when people don't know how wrong they are. So yeah, we're back to the Mm -hmm. self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Or they don't realize that like the thing that they're spouting is actually harmful. Like I'm both thinking of like, your girl defines on YouTube, but also the like angry atheists online, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. one is perceived to be more attacking than the other, but like you could very clearly trace like harm to their ideas in the way that they're presenting them. And I feel like it's cringe that they don't know that. Mm. Yeah. And then the other piece of the puzzle that I'm like trying to wrap my head around is I feel like there's also a bit of enjoyment in being cringe, like I think that people enjoy not just I, I I think there is an enjoyment when you feel like you know more than other people, you know? Mm, sure. Yeah. And I think that it's like an intellectual superiority complex that like also engages with cringe. But then on on a in a really weird way, it can like make it like in Emily's example, I think it makes it more cringe because like that person should know better cutting someone off in traffic dangerously <laughs> when they when they're like clearly professing that they're like trying to love their neighbor like they should know better <laughs> what's your favorite cringe thing that both christians or atheists do oh god i think my favorite cringe thing is what steven mentioned where like people have this like hobby lobby memorabilia in their house that like actually has no foothold in the bible it's just these like weird sayings that like somehow get associated with christianity <laughs> then they're just like hanging on people's walls and people only have them because they think they should have them and i think it's so funny you mean like that is cringe jeremiah twenty nine eleven and like cursive script oh, wall art beautiful and, yeah <laughs> is that where live laugh love came from too that's kind of the energy right probably yeah i think I'm going to take aim at Christians for a second <laughs> because as far as I can tell, atheists don't do this, but I was just threading. I think that's our verb now. Um, just recently about how I think in Christian culture, they should retire the use of like the word scandalous in terms of God's love or grace because Ooh. sexually abusive Ooh. pastors out there are getting the wrong message. That's a good take. And we were kind of on, we were kind of on riffs on threads about like, can we also retire the use of like, God is like ravishing us 
with <laughs> like there's so many weirdly like erotic elements that we can give to that and to a degree i can see what we're trying to do but yeah it just gives me x every time yeah mm-hmm. emily you got any good cringe stuff that you love i think i'm also gonna take a jab at christian's <laughs> When Christians use words that they don't entirely understand the meaning of, it's like for people who, you know, and it may not entirely be out of like disrespect, but like when people go to Hawaii and they're constantly like saying aloha for everything because they understand it maybe as a greeting, but like (laughs) they may not fully be aware of like when you use it or like how it's used. I feel that for christians who use like shalom or you know things like that where i'm like okay okay that's cringe so funny so real appropriation vibes yeah but again not like intending to be disrespectful but we're approaching it yeah that makes me think of like evangelical women who are really into essential oils and talking about spirit animals yes yes yeah okay uh fresh take on the atheist i think it's cringe when atheists just like divinely replace science for god and they like treat science like god i think it's really cringy like like if you're gonna deny the existence of like an all-powerful creator you cannot treat a human methodology like it's perfect like fair science itself is not perfect that's not the point of science (laughs) like that's not it the the purpose of science is to observe and replicate that's it (laughs) that is not it is not going to show us everything about the universe ever like fundamentally impossible (laughs) so like don't treat it like that it's cringe but it's like so close i feel like that's a good example of what i was trying to get at with like it's like based in ignorance but there's also a bit of enjoyment in there Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah i mean we got to be honest about how sometimes it does feel good to just take a cheap shot right Oh, totally. I mean, I put something up on threads today that like 10 minutes later, I just deleted. I'm like, that's not helpful. (laughs) That's such a Steven thing. Here's my take. I'm going to give it to you guys. I'm going to put it on the podcast because now you guys can respond in real time. And I'm so ready. Honestly, you can cringe at it if you want me to. But this was the kind of feeling I was having this morning. I have solved the Christian's problem of evil. That being the classical, how can an all good, all powerful God exist while observable evil exists in the world when you say that god doesn't exist then you don't have a problem (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean that's uh it's a non sequitur for sure but i've heard worse atheist takes just take the god out of the equation and now you don't have a problem you just have a reality of evil that you have to deal with Man, I really hate the argumentative cringe. Like, I feel like there's so much on, like, both sides. Like, Really, there is, yeah. Oh, man. Because you can see the logic I'm doing there, but it's kind of, like, on a tilt, and you're like, hey, hold on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really cringe seeing some very strange views in Christianity. Like, those have always made me be like, well, we're not like those guys. <laughs> Even when I like explain my background to new people, like just the other day, somebody I was telling somebody about the pod, and 
um, they asked like what I grew up as and I was like, yeah, but not that kind of Baptist. <laughs> like I even like do it still. Where I'm like, I know that there's, I know there's some weirdos out there. <laughs> yeah. And I just like to clarify, I am weird, but I'm not that weird. Like snake handling. It's cringe. It's cringe. But also prosperity gospelers also cringe. cringe. Like I'm equal opportunity here. <laughs> Shrad cats. Cringe. Cringe. <laughs> So, like, what do we do with it? That's a great question. Like, how do we respond to said cringe? I think it depends on what kind of brand of cringe you're dealing with. If it's a, hey, man, we're both saying we represent Christianity. I think that energy you bring to it is like it's similar but different to like, hey, man, I don't think you actually understand what us atheists are saying. I think that approach is a little different. My gut instinct is just to be like, Foster healthy, curious communication and be open to your mind changing. Ah, yes. <laughs> you know, the boring answer. <laughs> the easy answer. I say all that is if it's really easy to do, but. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm going multiple places. I'm tempted to use Bible for like when it's Christian on Christian mm. cringe. There's the whole concept of like, hey, if your sibling is doing something that's kind of out of whack them aside have a one-to-one if they don't listen bring a couple more people in on it if they don't listen still bring a lot more people in on it if they still don't listen you all have a choice to make that's literally what happened with our youth leader oh <gasps> ooh, interesting you don't have to tell that story here but does it work does yeah, that prescription people, work it, it does but people get hurt mm. is it the kind of hurt as if you're doing surgery or you're just doing blunt force trauma for the sake of it Mm, I would like surgery say hurts, you, causes pain, inflicts damage, but has a purpose or an aim for healing. Well, that that's just it. The people doing the operation would say it's a surgical pain, but the person experiencing it would say it's a blunt force trauma pain. Like they don't see they don't see the healing side of it. Sure. But can yeah, right. But can we I don't think this is a place where we can just let it be like eye of the beholder kind of thing either. I like this is, this is what happens in, in like interventions for addicts, right? Same energy. Uh, Depending on how it's done. (laughs) No fair, but I don't think you would argue like, well, the intervention to get someone to potentially wake up to the harm they're causing because it's not life giving in the moment. We can't just avoid it. Right. But also, like depending on the addiction so like alcoholism for example the person has to hit rock bottom before they realize healing needs to take place and what healing actually looks like because mm. they would be using alcohol as a form of healing and they like don't always understand that that's doing more harm than good so like interventions only work so far if the person is actually not willing to take that step to be intervened <laughs> what? is that the is that the phrase so like actually the youth group example is a great one because it's long past um during covid our school district had a requirement for students to wear masks and we were as a united methodist church we also had that same i guess guideline of encouraging people to wear masks and so our youth leader was very much on the idea that this was all either conspiracy or we're all sheep blindly following people who are just trying to scare us into submission 
um, and we're giving up our individual freedoms. And we said, well, our church insurance is wanting to continue covering us. And if our church insurance is wanting us to follow state law, which was to be masked, you know, to take all these precautions, we're going to do that. And she would secretly have the youth group meet without masks in the church. And like she was encouraging them to not wear masks. And so like I approached her and then that didn't work. So we had a couple other people with me approach her and that didn't work. And then we had our ad council approach her and that didn't work. So then it came down to we had to all vote. And when our vote came down and we asked her to step down, like all hell broke loose. And she like she couldn't grasp the concept of why we were doing this. And she kept like either throwing scripture in our face or would say things like, I'm following the true, the true Jesus and the true God. Y'all are just a bunch of sheep. Like this is a bunch of hoopla. Um, and she ended up leaving our church, but it was like, oh, cringe lady. Like mm-hmm. it's not just our youth we're thinking about. This is a building where vulnerable adults come and meet. So if our youth come to this building and they're not taking precautions and they do interact with other people who are vulnerable or have immunity compromises, then like, what justice are we doing? Like, what what love are we showing? That to me is beyond cringe. So like when we made the decision to vote her out, we saw that as a surgical move, like we're cutting off, uh, we're amputating a leg and it needed to be done. But the person being amputated would say, I could have like this could have been resolved in a different way. You could have saved my leg. It really wasn't that bad. You just made it worse by cutting off my leg, you know, so it's like open to interpretation, depending on what side of the situation you're on. I think she saw what we were doing with the mask wearing and everything as cringe. And we saw what she was doing with not following protocol as cringe. (laughs) So, like, again, it's the arrows pointing in different directions and. We're all a bunch of fruits in a basket, I guess. But I, I don't get the sense that you're like losing sleep over this years later. Even the way you tell the story, I still hear that Emily believes she and her fellowship made the right choice. It took a while to, to feel that way, honestly, because this woman would write to us and she would have other people like joining her side and they would write to us. And... Hmm. It, it, I mean, this wasn't like a once the wound was gone, it was gone. It was the person had their leg amputated and now they're laying in bed and the healing process was taking much longer than what they had hoped. You know, we were experiencing some phantom pain and there were just like there were things that we really needed to reevaluate when it came to youth group and, you know, allowing other groups to meet in our church if they were not wanting to wear masks and things like that. Like it took probably a solid year and a half for it to really like blow over Hmm. and like now i look back and i'm like oh yeah like (laughs) that needed to happen but i still think her actions what she did was cringe Mm -hmm. and like that won't change i'm not gonna five years from now i'm gonna be like well you know she really had her heart on that youth no no (laughs) she was being selfish and you can't change my mind on that and yeah yeah that's that's where it's hard with an approach of like Well, depending on who's looking at it, it could feel like this or it could feel like that. I mean, like I, you know, even going back to the alcoholism and the the intervention, like I personally know people who realized they were at rock bottom because their family staged 
in intervention. So, yeah, I don't know. That just gets tricky. I feel like... But also, if someone's not going to listen, they're not going to listen either. Like, there's a part of me... Like, when you first asked the question, Emily, my brain went to, like, three different places. Place number one is ignore it. Because if you don't reward a behavior, it's usually not going to keep going. Like, whether you're giving it positive or negative attention. The second place my brain goes to is, like, where Stephen was first talking about, like, the more, like, intervention kind of style like try to try to be reasonable try to be like empathetic and i think for a long time well i mean i guess there's like the hostile approach too Um, so maybe like in the replying there's like two camps and i I think for a long time Mm -hmm. for myself i was like a very hostile kind of replier and then i like went towards more empathy and like more like conversation driving but then i think that there's a third option (laughs) that is either like enjoy it or like respond in kind (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like sometimes i don't know i'm not saying like all of those are the right answer or like they're all valid choices but like sometimes when people are ridiculous the only thing you can do is be ridiculous back i think that way about the street preacher in seattle that i also took a megaphone out to I got to the point where I was like, I literally don't know what else to do other than like just do the same thing that this guy's doing back to him, but like funnier. (laughs) And like, I've like also done that with like other things in my life too. And like, I think that sometimes that I think that when like cringe perpetuates more cringe, I think sometimes people are doing that consciously. And I think sometimes people are doing it unconsciously and they're just like really bad uh, arguers <laughs> um, and they think that they're making a point but if if you know that you've lost like if you know that that person is not going to listen then like just enjoy it I realize that's not going to work for everyone I, I'm <laughs> saying this out loud and I know that that's not a reality for every situation I realize this but <laughs> I feel like there's so many corners of the like Christian atheist spectrum on the internet that are just like cesspools in the comments like we've gotten it a couple times and like at a certain point like no matter how empathetically I respond back to someone, they're not going to be, they're not willing to listen. They're only there to make a point. And if all the points they're making are cringe, then I'm going to be like, well, that was a cringy comment you made there. (laughs) Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like I see where people get like reactionary out of desperation, I guess. And I think it can be fun. Like I think part of cringe that I find so interesting is I think we notice more cringe the more we look back on it versus like in mm, the moment. Yeah. I, Emily, I think you brought up a good point about differing perspectives in a situation like multiple sides see the other as cringe. But then like ultimately that person has a higher chance of looking back on themselves as more cringe. Oh, I think. yeah. I don't think everyone always gets there, but I am more self-critical about me wearing Christian tees in high school than Anybody probably remembers me wearing that. Yeah, that's real. And like Steven is going to remember that tweet that he should have deleted way sooner, more, way more than like the one or two people that saw it and was like, that's a bad take. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I don't know what the answer is either. Like, I don't know. I'm definitely not a cringe expert. <laughs> well, I think that's all the time we have for the cringe today. Emily, give us a cringy <laughs> ending. Yeah, how would you... uh, (laughs) What's the cringiest thing you could end us with? (laughs) 
Oh, I, I have to think for a second. Uh, uh, Josh, did you just hear the spinny rainbow wheel going in Emily's brain just now? I absolutely searching, did. There's searching. smoke coming out of my ears. Spotlight search activated in Mac OS. Okay, I think I have one. I have one. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Are you living your life like God doesn't exist? Well, I hope you're right. Is that cringy enough for you? <laughs> oh, that's fun. In this Reading house, we pray, we eat, we sleep the Lord. Gotta remember how the song goes. How cringe thou art. How cringe thou art. Then sings my soul. My cringy thoughts of thoughts in me. How cringe thou art. How cringe thou art. Then sings my soul. I don't know how to do it except just like putting the then word cringe and cringy in there. Then screams my soul. Then screams my soul. That's good. Awkward thoughts in me. How cringe thou art. How cringe thou Thank you. Beautiful words have never been spoken.